The views, opinions, and comments expressed by hosts, guests, and callers of this show are not necessarily those of this station, its parent company, TeleSouth Media, its staff, management, or advertisers. Content of this broadcast cannot be duplicated or used in any way without the express written consent of TeleSouth Media Incorporated. Now, join us for Advisors Roundtable with your hosts, certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus. It's professional advice for your life. Welcome to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you here on Super Talk Radio. Thanks a lot to all of our uh, very loyal listeners. And also thanks a lot to our sponsors for making the Advisors Roundtable possible. So, Bubba, this may be a question that I need to ask John Oliver Windsor or Amrick Spikes or somebody else who's uh, an attorney and does this every day. A learned individual, as they say. A learned individual, you know, the the resident legal expert. Isn't that what we call Mm -hmm. them? All right, so uh, do you have to have an estate to do estate planning? And, And what do you think the average person in this part of the world thinks an estate is well I, you know I, I would sit back and, and hear somebody say the word estate mm-hmm. and I think of like a palace with you know mm-hmm. palatial grounds oh, yeah. and, and uh, a guy out there mowing the yard yeah, yeah. maybe even a, a horse barn with yeah. some horses in it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's and Henry the eighth walking around yeah. mm-hmm. with a walking cane right. you mm-hmm. know and his flowing wig yeah. and yeah it, it, a big robe yeah, yeah. big robe yeah. on yeah. Well, maybe these days, maybe just like a, a smoking j- jacket and an yeah. ascot. Well, those Ric Flair things. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Woo! <All> right. <laughs> so, so estate planning. Mm-hmm. You have to have one of those, an estate, to do estate planning. And what is what is estate planning anyway, anyway by definition? So I, I think that, um, well, not I think, I know that mm. everybody has an estate. Oh, Really? Whether they know it or not, or whether they think of it as an estate, even or not. the guy who's been working hard all his life, never mm-hmm. had the opportunity to you know finish higher education. He's yep. had a ten, fifteen, twenty an hour, dollar an hour job, and he owns a house and a couple acres. Yeah. Even the person who has rented an apartment all their life, really? rents their vehicles, mm-hmm. uh, they have an estate. Rents their vehicle. Oh, yeah, that lease thing. That, yeah, you know. That's what that is, yeah, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. Rents, leases. Yeah, you know. yeah. But really and truly. They have an estate. And and the reason I say that is because uh-huh. they're they're using cash flow to pay for their rent, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. And typically have that in a bank account. Uh-huh. And if they were to die, there's going to be some money in their bank of, account, which is part of their estate. Oh. So, the- so it, it, it's not necessarily land. Oh. Uh-huh. Or physical assets, it can be financial instruments as well that would comprise somebody's estate. All right. By definition, By it definition. doesn't necessarily have to be timberland or rolling right. hills and a palace. Right. It's just whatever you own. Whatever you own. Makes up your estate. And hopefully you own more than you owe for. Uh, yeah. That's a yeah. net worth thing, right? right? Mm-hmm. So if every year it's your goal to make your net worth grow, Mm -hmm. and that is you own more than you owe, and you've been doing this for 40, 50, 60 years of your adult life, you may have accumulated a couple things. You very well could have. And do you want to have 
uh, say so as to who gets that stuff. Well, uh, you know, I, I think we had Jeffrey Dunham on the uh, the show last week, mm-hmm. and and he put it very simply: mm-hmm. if you don't have an estate plan, the government has one for you. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a very good point. Yeah, because they do; they got rules, they, they got laws, and these laws will uh, will dictate what happens to your estate when you're no longer here. All right. So, how early in a person's life? Do you suggest they have an estate plan? Is this something you only talk to 70, 80, 90-year-olds about? No. And in fact, just yesterday, I had a client in the office, Mm -hmm. and we were talking about their children. And uh, the children were uh, 18 years old, 25 years old, Mm -hmm. and I think a Mm 16-year-old. I said, okay, for the 25-year-old and the 18-year-olds, you need to get some estate documents in order for them already already and they said well what do you mean i mean they don't really have an estate Mm -hmm. i said no they don't have an estate yet Mm -hmm. but they could very soon Mm -hmm. but there are some other important documents that i think that they need in the meantime okay all right other documents other than the will than the will because if you're 18 or 25 you probably haven't accumulated much of Mm -hmm. an estate Right, but your estate plan, Bubba's estate plan, the ideal one has at least three documents. At least three documents, and that's the will to the will. where my stuff goes. Where does your stuff go when you die? Okay, and the healthcare power of, of attorney thing, the that's healthcare right. directive, mm-hmm. and that basically says pull the plug yeah. and allow certain people to have my my records yeah. and all that. I'm going to be a little insensitive here mm-hmm. and, and say uh, a lot of people may remember the Mary Schiavo case down uh, in Florida. Yeah, back in the 80s, 90s, yeah. Uh, it, it was, uh, I think, in the early 2000s, okay. wasn't it? Uh, I can't recall. So uh, anyway, you know, this uh, this poor woman was kept alive on a feeding tube. Mm-hmm. Uh, years. For years, maybe against her wishes. Yeah. Maybe against her husband's wishes, mm-hmm. uh, and because she didn't have that document in place, yeah, um, the, the 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 institution, the hospital, is not yeah. going to take on that responsibility right. in that right. case. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, he he was going to court and had her family involved yeah. and mm-hmm. all that stuff, begging the judges to say, you know, let yeah. her die and right. give her a, and. There are other people mm-hmm. saying, you know, you're not giving the healthcare uh, professionals a full chance to revive her, and right. a lot of discussion. My healthcare directive, my personal healthcare directive, says, you know, try everything you can for two weeks, but make sure that I got plenty of drugs in me. I don't want to feel a thing, <laughs> even if it hastens my death. There you go. Yeah. You don't want to be lying there yeah. in pain silently, right? And you can't tell me, Greg, I'm hurting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You know, so if the doctor thinks whatever you got may be painful, you're saying, go right. ahead and hit me with a little yeah. morphine yeah, or whatever. Yeah, dose me up. Yeah. Yeah, go yeah. ahead and promote me if, if need and be. And you want to say that yourself. Sure. Yeah, because, I mean, there may be other individuals who say, you know what, uh, just as, as sure as I, I'm breathing here today, mm-hmm. if I have a, an issue that's going on where they think it's terminal mm-hmm. and, you know, maybe they get to a point where they, they say, you know, the, the word is pull the plug, right? Right, right, right. Where they pull the plug. Well, what if the next day they come out with the cure for whatever <laughs> ailed me? It'd just be my luck, yeah. right? Right? <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people have mm-hmm. that going on in their brain. Yeah. 
But they want to say all that on paper, mm-hmm. and you can. That's right. In that document. So we've talked about two of the documents. You mm-hmm. say I need at least three of, and we're up against a break, so we're going to tease people. Hang on there, and we're going to give you another document or two you probably need to have as part of your estate plan here from the Advisors Roundtable on Supertalk. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable, Certified Financial Planners, Bubba Labus, and yours truly, Greg Cooley, with you right here on Super Talk Radio. Thanks for listening. And Bubba, we're talking about estate planning documents, at least three or four uh, parts of it. Mm-hmm. The will, what happens to my stuff, the health care directive, what happens to me at the end of life, yeah. what else should be included? So the health care directive also does another thing. It, it mm-hmm. appoints somebody else to make decisions on your behalf That's when right. it comes to health care. Okay. Right. So uh, it, it does give instructions in many cases about what you want done at end-of-life decisions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How many drugs do you want them to give you? Do they pull the plug? No right. artificial feeding tubes, that sort of thing. Right. Right. But it also will appoint somebody else uh, to make those decisions if you're not able to. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, you yeah. could have had a stroke and you're not dying yet. Right. But, you know, they need to make some other decisions mm-hmm. uh, about uh, respiration and a, a follow-up uh, uh, procedures and a lot of other things that, right. that, that could be part mm-hmm. of that. Right. All right. So we've done health care directive and we've done will right. as part of my estate mm-hmm. plan, whether I'm Henry VIII or not. Right. What else needs to be included? Power of attorney. Okay. How's that different from giving somebody the right to make health care decisions. So health care decisions are, are one aspect of it. Okay. And, and, and sometimes they call the health care directive a health care power of attorney. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you appoint somebody, let's say, for instance, that I've got a child who is in the medical field, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And they're old enough to make good decisions or a parent who's in the medical field or somebody that I know and trust to make medical related decisions for me. Right. But maybe they're just terrible at balancing their checkbook, right? <laughs> right. Or maybe they're just, yeah. you know, no good at, at, at business oriented things. Right. And maybe there, there yeah. are some people just too emotional. Sure. You know? Yeah. Uh, and so you want somebody to do business for you. That's right. Now this business related power of attorney can do what? Well, it, it can do a number of things, and it depends on what powers you grant to this individual who's going to be your, your attorney, in fact. Okay. So, um, uh, for instance, if, if I give you mm-hmm. my power of attorney, and it's just a blanket power of attorney, it means that you can do everything that I can do. Mm. Open and close bank accounts, uh, sell stocks and bonds. Yeah. Sign my tax return. You know, a lot of people think that because they're married, their spouse can sign their tax return for them. And some people's do. And many people do, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't listen, yeah. Mr. IRS. Right. But technically, you're supposed to be signing and Kimberly's supposed to That's be correct. signing as an individual. Right. All right. With a power of attorney, it would allow me to sign a tax return for another individual. Legally. Legally. There you go. All right. And you can, you can sell property. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a number of people who uh, maybe they, they travel a lot. You can sell a vehicle. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I've had people that, you know, maybe uh, they like to go to Canada in the summertime because it's cooler up there. Mm-hmm. But while they're gone, there's a possibility that their piece of property at Pickwick could be sold. Mm-hmm. And they may hand a power of attorney to their brother-in-law or to you or to me or a CPA or sure. an attorney. And say, if, hey, if a good deal comes along, mm-hmm. I don't want to miss it. Right. So you call me, we talk about it, but mm-hmm. I want you to have a document to be able to walk into closing and sign for me. 
That happens pretty often. Just have the movers put all my stuff in storage over at Trey Albright's until I get back. That's exactly. Yeah. And send me yeah. a check. Yeah, make sure that check <laughs> BR549. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I need to have the will part, what happens to my stuff. I need to have the health care directive. I need to have the power of attorney. Is there a need for me to have a thing called a trust associated with all this? Well, now you're getting into the weeds a little bit, mm. and and um, those, those first three everybody needs. Those first three everybody needs. Okay, um, and I would say whether you you've got a net worth of one thousand dollars or a net worth of one hundred billion dollars, mm-hmm. you need those. Yes. Right. 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 Now, depending on that net worth that you've got, there may be a possibility that you need trusts okay. associated with that. Okay. Depending on your your circumstances, mm-hmm. maybe you've got a net worth of one thousand dollars, but you own a lot of uh, life insurance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What happens to the proceeds of that life insurance if you're not around? Well, I probably named my wife and my kids. That's correct. All right. So but- let's say that you and your wife are in a car accident together. You both die. Uh-huh. And then you've got uh, $2 million worth of life insurance, uh-huh. and it's paid to the kids. Do you Ooh. think a 16, 17, 18, 19-year-old is going to be, re- or a 21-year-old is going to be responsible with a million or $2 million? So I got a 21-year-old, and I've got yeah. an 18-year-old. Mm-hmm. And I one love of them both. might be okay. The other uh-huh. one, uh-huh. yeah. I love them both. Mm-hmm. But. In this example, $2 million, mm-hmm. even the world's most responsible person, yep. you leave them a million bucks. I'm blowing at least half of it on wine and women. <laughs> you know? I mean, really? Yeah. You start thinking about it practically here. What have most people done? I mean, they just you know filled out the form. They, they, mm-hmm. they got the life insurance. First of all, the first concern was, will the insurance company write me? Mm-hmm. You know, there's an underwriting, and they do all the blood work and EKG and want my past medical records and everything. But I get it. Okay, right. so I get a million dollars. And part of that application process is filling out the beneficiary forms. Mm-hmm. So I'm just thinking here, I don't want to complicate it here, and I love my family, so I'm going to leave it to my wife first. Yeah. And then my kids contingently. Mm-hmm. But then you start making me think here, and I think a million dollars in an eighteen-year-old's hands. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine the temptations? Could you imagine the fun you could have with that? <laughs> Not the temptations, Greg. The fun. Oh yeah, I don't want you talking to my kids if yeah. I die. Let me All tell right. you. <laughs> so, you, you think there are a lot of people listening to us right now, going, "Oh my goodness." Oh, my goodness. I mean, I'm, I'm going to leave this $2 million in yeah. this example to them. So It could be $300,000. It could be, be $50,000. $50, right, but I'm going to leave it to them because mm-hmm. in my mind, I'm thinking it's going to, 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 to give them a better life mm-hmm. than maybe I was able to afford them. Yeah. It's going to let them finish their educations, mm-hmm. whether it's graduate school, medical school, whatever. It's going to allow them to have a house. And maybe give them a little monthly income so that they've got, you know, a different existence. Uh, that's probably what I had in my mind, the average right. person had in their mind. But if they blow it all, because mm-hmm. I left it outright to them, ooh, 
and you and I have seen this happen, haven't we? I, I could spend $100,000 before lunch today. Oh, boy. Maybe you more. Have, well, yeah, you can be, yeah, I mean, we can go right across over here and see Robert Williams. We can mm-hmm. spend a million this afternoon. Right. Because mm-hmm. he's got some places up Pickwick I'd just love to own. Sure. And if you leave me a million bucks, I might go do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, really. If it's, if it's unfettered, if it's got no restrictions to it, I may do that. And that may not be what you had in mind when, right. you, when you bought the insurance in the first place. Mm-hmm. So let's review that for just a second. When people buy the insurance, when you're talking to them and say, hey, man, you know, you got a couple kids and you got a wife here mm-hmm. and you got a, it's a little debt and the whole thing. And this is your amount of income. And if you pass away, we need to replace that. Ooh, he was thinking replace the income, wasn't right. he? But you can't replace the income if you spend the principal. That's correct. So if I leave a million dollars to my spouse or my mm-hmm. children, I'm thinking that they're going to be responsible and bring it to you, Bubba, and that, that you're going to take it and send them three or $4,000 a month. That's what I'm thinking. That's not the way it plays out in reality, though. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So, And that's always a conversation that, that I have with clients, mm. uh, especially when we're reviewing insurance, if we're buying new insurance for mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. We talk about beneficiaries and beneficiary designations mm-hmm. and how they need to be structured. Mm-hmm. Uh, these days, you've got less of an estate tax issue that you need to worry about. Yeah, most people around here aren't worth over $11 million. That's right. Um, however, you know, 10, 15 years ago, when the uh, estate mm-hmm. tax exemption was 600000 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. could be over that amount real quick. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you never can tell what's going to happen with laws either. They may may repeal those. Mm-hmm. Right now, I would say most individuals are, are generally okay when it comes to an estate tax. Uh, so if I leave a million dollars to my wife and I'm worth less than $11.5 million, mm-hmm. she's probably going to get $11 million outright and I have to worry about tax. Or, correct. Or, or the million dollars worth of life insurance outright and I have to pay tax. That's correct. All right. And in my mind, I'm mm-hmm. thinking she's going to be responsible, bring it to you, and replace my income with it. Correct. Okay. And you're telling me a lot of times it doesn't work out that way. It doesn't. Because, you know, I've made her drive a Nissan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Or at least that's, I think that's the way she's seeing it. Right. I've made her drive a Nissan, mm-hmm. and suddenly she's got a million dollars, and she yeah. likes those Lexuses. That's right. <laughs> huh? Mm-hmm. And, you know, God bless her. That's a wonderful thing, yeah. but maybe that wasn't what I was thinking when I bought the life insurance. Mm-hmm. So I can control this a little bit? Yes, you can. Oh, we're up against a break. We're going to talk about how to do that when we get back from this break here on the Advisors Roundtable Super Talk Radio. Back to the Advisors Roundtable, Certified Financial Planners Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you right here on Super Talk Radio. Thanks for listening and thanks to all of our valued sponsors. So, Bubba, we're talking about this estate plan, whether you own an estate or not. It's basically your end of life plan, it's your continuation plan, it's your legacy, Mm -hmm. your financial legacy you're working on here. And we've talked about just your regular uh, will that's going to dispose of my stuff. We've talked about the health care directive and the power of attorney. Now we're to this thing about what happens with, with some of my stuff, like life mm-hmm. insurance and retirement plans and annuities, maybe even real estate, sure, like an investment real estate property or something. And what I had in mind 
but what somebody else that I leave it to actually does with it mm-hmm. may be diametrically opposed. Sure. You're telling me I can kind of fix that? Yes, you can. Okay. What's it going to cost me, first of all? Because most people listening out here, they hear the term trust, and they're thinking, oh, I must be a Vanderbilt or a Kennedy to have one of those. I'm going to talk generally about uh, the initial cost, Mm -hmm. what I think it should cost. It could be as low as $500 when you set up your will. Mm -hmm. It could be as high as $20,000. So, you know, that's a pretty wide range there. It is. It is. I'm going to say, generally speaking, depending on the complexity, you're probably not going to be over much over uh, $5,000 on a max. On a max. On a max. All right. So for this $5,000. Could, could be $1,500 to get done what or you 500. need. Or 500 Or $500. it is according to your individual circumstances. That's right. What you want to do, mm-hmm. how much uh, in detail you got to get, and mm-hmm. how much you want to control, and how many assets you have, and right. retitlings, and all kinds of other stuff. So that's the initial side, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let's say, for instance, that uh, that you wanted to create this trust. There may be an ongoing expense or cost to this trust as well. Okay. Somebody has to manage it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You've got to have a trustee that's going to send money out to beneficiaries, make sure that the tax return is done. The tax return has to be filed, which costs things, mm-hmm. right? Maybe you've got financial assets in this account, so mm-hmm. you know it's going to cost to manage those. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be ongoing costs as well. But there were ongoing costs while you were alive to yeah. manage all your financial stuff. Absolutely, there were. Okay. All right. So uh, we basically mm-hmm. have said, you're not living and breathing anymore, but we're going to create an entity that's going to kind of act like you're still here. Right. And so while you were here, you had all these financial assets mm-hmm. and you managed them in this way and it costs this. And when you're not here, this other thing, mm-hmm. this trust is going to continue to live on yep. and it's going to have all this stuff to manage and all these assets and all these desires that you get to write before you die. That's right. So I go back to my life insurance. Mm-hmm. I got this million dollars. Now I'm thinking about it because you've put this bug in my ear, and I'm thinking, hmm, leave a million dollars to an 18-year-old. Mm-hmm. Probably not a good idea. So I leave it in a trust. Now I'm walking through this. So, um, man, wait, wait. I don't know if we have enough time to do this today. Because, <laughs> you know, mine's, my mind's running off over here oh, saying, uh-huh. well, do we need to do an irrevocable life insurance trust? Yeah, yeah, right, do right. we need to, to Start name a trust as the beneficiary of the life insurance? Uh-huh. You know, it gets uh-huh. pretty complicated it, pretty quick. It can. It really can. So if we back up a little bit, I'm going to say that there are a couple of different kinds of trusts. Okay. One would be a testamentary trust. Okay? okay. A testamentary trust basically springs into effect after you die, and they read your last will and testament. Hence the name testamentary. Right. It has not occurred and lived while I'm alive. Mm-hmm. I'm correct. in charge. That's correct. While I'm alive. And everything's still mm-hmm. in my name, probably. I don't have a testamentary trust yet, but when I die, my will says create this trust. Okay. All right. So, you know, God forbid I get hit by the beer truck on the way home this afternoon. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a trust that is established, mm-hmm. and all my stuff is going to go into this trust. Okay. All right. And that's going to be, uh, you know, 
bank accounts. It's going to be maybe real estate, Mm -hmm. business interests, Mm -hmm. life insurance. Mm -hmm. I've already got the the correct beneficiary listed. You've named your trust as the beneficiary. I have. As opposed to the list of your children. That's correct. Now, your children are the beneficiary of the trust, so you haven't cut them out. I haven't cut them out. Okay. All right. But they are going to have to jump through some hoops to get some money. (laughs) All right. So that's a testamentary trust. Okay. Another type of trust is a revocable trust. Mm-hmm. A revocable trust is one that you can change during your lifetime. Hence the word revocable. Right. You can revoke it. Okay. Right. You can you can shut it down. You can change the the parameters of the trust. Mm-hmm. And then when you die, that trust becomes irrevocable, meaning that you can't change it. Nobody can change. it. Nobody can change it. It becomes the law. Now it it may be the law for a period of about twenty minutes. Because your irrevocable trust at that point may mm-hmm. say, you know, if I'm no longer around, then go ahead and distribute everything that I've got to my, my adult children and, and be done with it, right? Mm-hmm. It may also say, hey, you know what? I've got a couple of children here that I don't trust getting a lot of money at once. Let's dole it out to them at, at certain intervals and ages. Okay. So it may last a while. Okay. So right. that's a revocable trust that could turn into an irrevocable trust. Right. Right. So another type of trust is called an irrevocable trust. All right, so we had tre- testamentary, mm-hmm. irrevocable, or revocable, revocable, and now irrevocable. Right. So an irrevocable trust is one that you create, mm-hmm. usually during your lifetime, mm-hmm. and uh, you can't change it. So once I stick stuff in there, it's in there. It's in there. In the revocable trust, I put stuff in there, but I can take it out. That's right. And then in the testamentary trust, the testamentary trust is an irrevocable trust, Mm -hmm. but it's only alive after I'm dead. Right. The irrevocable trust is one you created in your lifetime. Mm -hmm. Why would you want an irrevocable trust? Yeah, why would you want to stick stuff in there you can't take out? Life is flexible. We talked about that yesterday. Well, uh, there may be certain assets that you want to protect for generations. Oh. You know, I I may own some hunting land somewhere, Uh right? Uh-huh. And I want that to be passed down to my my uh, descendants uh-huh. uh, for as long as as, as possible, right? Okay. And uh, you know, three hundred and sixty five years may sound good to me. A thousand years may sound good to me. Uh-huh. You still got a trustee that's going to be named, right? Somebody to take care of stuff. Take care of stuff. Okay. So let's say, for instance, that I've got a uh, hundred acres and or two hundred acres in this irrevocable trust that I put in there mm-hmm. because I don't ever plan on selling it, uh, and I don't want my children to ever plan on selling it. Oh, right. Yeah. Gotcha. But what happens if they decide, hey, you know what? We're going to locate a uh, a car manufacturing plant here, and we're willing or an airport, kind of like they did on Yellowstone, <laughs> right? Yeah. And we're willing to pay you $10,000 an acre, mm-hmm. which is pretty good, I uh, think. Uh-huh. $20,000, $50,000 an acre. Uh-huh. We're talking about real money there, right? Uh-huh. Well, you know, the uh, the trustee in that case could probably take a poll of all the, the children and say, or, or beneficiaries and say, you know, we've got this offer here. I think we ought to take it. And if they decide to sell it, well, then the proceeds would go into the trust. Uh-huh. Right, because it's own, the land is owned by the trust. Gotcha. All right. Okay. And then, you know, maybe the trustee decides, well, you know, let's go out and buy some other land somewhere else. Okay. All right. Or it, if you want to, we'll just start sending you distributions so that y'all can go take your hunting trip once a year in Alaska. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
So there's a lot of thought that goes into that. Mm-hmm. It could be a business interest that you want to put in a revo- irrevocable trust. Okay. So mm-hmm. maybe I uh, maybe I own a business that's a very good and profitable business, mm-hmm. and I want that to be a, a family-owned business mm-hmm. uh, or a family-controlled business. But maybe my children aren't capable of running a business like that. Or maybe one, your one child wants to be a doctor and the other wants to be a vet. Yeah. And this is a business that's a trucking business. That's right. So you know, and so it's not what they want to do. Mm-hmm. But you want to keep it going right and so you hire a trustee who's responsible Mm -hmm. to hire you a manager and then your family still gets benefit out of it that's correct so there 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 are a number of reasons you may want an irrevocable thing right and you don't have to be henry the eighth or warren buffett or bill gates and own an estate bringing it back around to life insurance Mm -hmm. so what if we had uh, an irrevocable life insurance trust. Used to see those quite frequently a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. Not mm-hmm. now, not so much. Uh, but you may still have one of those out there. Okay. Does it make sense for you to still have that irrevocable life insurance trust? All right. So that would be the the entity, the thing that I would leave as the beneficiary, as opposed to my eighteen year old daughter. That's right. And then I say inside the document mm-hmm. that created that thing. My 18-year-old daughter is mm-hmm. the beneficiary. Right. But she doesn't get all the money in her fingers. That's correct. Okay. All right. Um, and I get to say how and when she gets the money? Mm-hmm. For what reasons? That's right. All right. That's really what I think most people had in mind when they do their life insurance. Yeah. And I think when it's explained that way, they say, well, maybe these trusts while they could be complicated, maybe they're not as bad as most people have this connotation in their mind about a trust. Yeah. Yeah. And while my children are young Mm -hmm. and while, you know, they may be affected by their own desires or by a a son-in-law or an uncle Mm -hmm. that, you know, thinks he'll get some benefit if she buys a brand spanking new boat. Mm -hmm. Really? Right. Uh, We run into this a lot. Because, you know, we knew Granddad, and we really know what he intended with that business or what he intended with that life insurance or all those investments. He just didn't leave the beneficiaries uh, correct. Mm -hmm. And so he left an individual's name on it. And when they get their fingers on it, there's nothing legal you can do, even if you tell them what Granddaddy intended. That's right. So if your granddad or grandma or mom or dad or you're a, a responsible business owner, you may want to think about how you've titled yeah. things. Now, I would say that if you don't do what you're supposed to do, then it might make Thanksgiving and Christmas a little bit awkward. <laughs> I think you're right. But you're absolutely right. If, it, if it's not uh, written down with instructions on there, then you, you're free to do what you want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those beneficiaries are. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to go to a break, and when we come back from break, we're going to talk about some things you may want to think about putting in the wording of your will or your trust if all of this piques your interest here on the Advisors Roundtable. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified Financial Planners Greg and Bubba with you here, and uh, we are always uh, grateful to have you listening in here on Super Talk Radio. So, Bubba, we're talking about this estate planning thing, whether you own an estate or not and a will. 
and a power of attorney and a health care directive and the possible need for a trust. Now, we left the last segment of the show saying that the trust is something you create. Mm -hmm. It's an entity. It's going to have, in the end, uh, when it becomes irrevocable, it's going to have its own tax ID number, have to file its own tax uh, return. Right. It's going to have somebody managing it called a trustee, mm -hmm. and you get to, to, to set all the rules, yep. basically. You get to say what? What are some things I could say? Like in my case here, where I made up this proverbial million dollars going to be left to an 18-year-old. Mm -hmm. Now, I could say this trust is created with the, uh, the proceeds from this life insurance. Mm -hmm. It's created for the benefit of Sarah. Right. And Sarah, you're going to get some monthly income out of it mm -hmm. until you're 25. Right. Send you $1,000 a month until you're mm -hmm. 25. In the meantime, Bubba's my trustee. If you want to go to college, he can pay for your college tuition out right. of here. And when you're 25, what would be something I could say? You could say if you're 25 and you want to buy a house, mm -hmm. maybe I'll provide for a down payment on that house. Maybe I'll buy the house, right? Mm-hmm. Well, not I, but the, the trust would. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, the, you know, the, the sky's the limit when you come up with uh, the rules associated with the, the trust or, the, or the, the outline associated with the trust. Okay. So, um, and I've seen trust be very restrictive and very mm -hmm. lenient. Okay. Let's go down the road of restrictive. Okay. So in this case, she turns 25 and you say something about a house. Yep. Instead of saying buying it, I may say what? I'll give you the down payment on a home, but you've got to qualify for a mortgage first. Uh, so what does that do in effect, right? Uh, it means that Sarah, young Sarah, has to have a job, uh -huh. usually a pretty good paying job in order for her to make a mortgage payment, uh -huh. and she's going to get a down payment on whatever size house she can afford, mm -hmm. right? And it it may be a down payment of $200,000. I, I doubt it. Right, right, right. It may be a down payment of $40,000. Okay. Whatever the mortgage the, company requires. Whatever the mortgage company. The trust would pay. Yeah. If you qualified for the mortgage and you're going to make the mortgage payment. That's right. But in effect, what you've done is you have incentivized a child mm -hmm. to be responsible, to have a job, to good credit rating, have a good credit rating. Okay. So there's a lot that goes along with that behind the scenes. And that's probably what daddy would have done while he was alive. That's right. He would have yeah. said, darling, I yeah. paid for the college degree and you're 25 years old. You need to be paying your own house payment. Yeah. Let's back up a little bit and talk about that college degree. Uh huh. You know, this trust could say, you know what, Sarah, I, I really think that if you want to go to a trade school or college mm -hmm. or get an advanced degree or whatever it may be, mm -hmm. that I want to help you do that. And that's probably what daddy would have said. But I'm not going to let you go and just, you know, sit on your rear end and make... You ain't partying all the yeah, time. Yeah, make bad grades. Uh-huh. So I'll pay for it as long as you have a 3.0 GPA or better. Uh, or 3.5. Uh-huh. Well, but, you know, you come yeah. up with whatever your rules are. Because I make the rules yeah. and I can be as mm -hmm. restrictive as I want to be. That's right. And the trustee has to live up to this. Mm-hmm. What if her sister finds out that Sarah only had a 2.5... Yeah. And you still gave her money. Well, then I could technically, as the trustee, be held liable for that. Uh, 
Yeah. So yeah. It, it, it really can become mm -hmm. uh, something that's not only restrictive, but something that puts a liability yeah. on somebody. Mm -hmm. How long do you want this trust to last as well? Okay. You know, we talked about Sarah becoming 25 years old. And getting a couple of benefits, right? right? What about uh, getting distributions along the way? You talked about income up to age 25. Mm -hmm. What if she got income up to age 35? Okay. And then at age 35, you, you say in this trust document that you want a portion of it distributed to her. So give her some of the principal. Right. Okay. All right. And maybe by the age 35, I'd feel like, you know, she's probably pretty responsible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's kept her credit rating up. She's worked hard. Yeah. Daddy will give you 20% of what's left yeah. in there. Mm -hmm. What if there's $750,000 left in there? That's right. Huh? 20% yeah. mm -hmm. of that, you know, you're talking over a hundred grand. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you this though. Let's mm -hmm. say that, uh, that Sarah wasn't on the straight and narrow. Mm -hmm. and maybe she had a dependency issue right. or somebody that she was married to that, mm -hmm. that had a dependency issue or uh, a marriage that wasn't going so and hot. And if Greg Cooley was alive, that boy wouldn't have gotten anything. That's right. Uh -huh. So there are provisions that you can put into a trust document like this that would withhold money uh -huh. from Sarah okay. at the discretion of the trustee. Okay. So, you know, for instance, let's say that, that Sarah uh, or a beneficiary had uh, a drug problem or an alcohol problem, mm -hmm. and the trustee could make a decision and say, look, you know, I need to see a clean, uh, you know, a drug test or a, a report test or a physician, yeah, yeah. you know, that says that, uh, that, that you're clean, mm -hmm. otherwise I'm not giving you a distribution from this trust. So it can be very restrictive. It can be. But, I mean, if you think about it, if you were still alive, would you give a drug addict $100,000? No, it could kill them. It absolutely it could. I mean, really. Think about yeah. the moral responsibility you have. There's mm -hmm. a moral hazard there to, you know, you think you're doing the right thing mm -hmm. of leaving a chunk of money to people. Yep. I mean, you love them. Mm -hmm. But it could hurt them, right? It could. I mean, we've seen people yep. that, mm -hmm. that hurt. Um, or it allowed people around them to blow the money. Well, and, and that's that's the biggest issue that I see, is, and we've talked about this statistic before. Most inheritances are gone within 18 months. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter the size. Mm -hmm. It could be a million dollars. It could be $10,000, but most inheritances are gone within 18 months. Right. And It's it, because they didn't put them in a restricted trust, that, right? Well, it's one big reason. Mm -hmm. uh, the other big reason is is most people just can't be trusted uh, with with large sums of money. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I mean, even the most responsible person yep. I know, you give them $10,000, right? $100,000, a million dollars, and they never had anything? That's right. I mean, look at people who win the lottery. Mm-hmm. About 40 to 50% of them at the end of 10 years say, boy, I wish that hadn't happened. Yeah. If I had it to go back mm -hmm. uh, over again, I lost so many uh, relationships. Right. I've hurt myself. I'm ashamed of some things I've done. I'd have rather not had that million dollars. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine somebody saying, I'd rather not have the million? Yeah. But because of their experience. and I, I've had people tell me that before. Hmm. I've seen it firsthand, mm. you know, individuals who get an inheritance or, or whatever they get, and they say, you know what, I was better off before I got it. 
man, I, I'm telling you, yeah. I don't want to work hard all my life and have that be something, that regret be something that one of my beneficiaries lives through. I really don't. I mean, I, I almost feel like I've abused them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I intended to do you good by leaving you a million bucks. Right. But maybe that abused you. Maybe something we need to talk about next week on the show is how do we prepare children to receive money or be responsible with money? You re you really think we can? Well, yeah. <laughs> it would start early, early. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. And then you cross your fingers and hope for the best, right? Oh, oh you really do. And, yeah. and quite actually, you can. And this is a l wetting the appetite mm -hmm. for uh, the subject matter next week that we'll talk about. But... You know, you can do all of this work and then it can be thwarted by a circumstance mm -hmm. or the person they attach themselves to. Right. I mean, I know a lot of people who are really responsible people mm -hmm. and they marry the wrong man or woman. Yeah. You know, and that person is just not that mm -hmm. responsible or just not willing to live within some parameters and a little bit of discipline. Right. Uh, they want it all. They want it now. Uh, and here you are. You've worked all these years, man. And, you know, you croak and you leave it to somebody. Yeah. And you're at their discretion mm -hmm. if you left it to them. That's right. But if you leave it in a trust and you have a, some, some rules and, and, and all to go by, then it, it's, it's probably better for everybody. Mm-hmm. So do you think there is kind of a, a recognition, uh, name, um, prejudice, because a lot of us have never experienced trust, so we think it's only for rich people? A lot of people think that trusts are only for rich people, but I would say that um, if, the, if the situation is appropriate, a trust could be for anybody. I think so. I really do. Well, I hope we've learned something together today here as we talk about estate planning whether you're rich or you're not, you may need to think about those kinds of documents from here at the Advisors Roundtable on Supertalk. The discussion and content expressed by the host of the Advisors Roundtable are intended to be received as news, educational, and entertainment or unit items and are not to be accepted by the listener as legal, investment, insurance, or tax advice. Opinions and views will be expressed by guests of the Advisors Roundtable, and those opinions and views are those of the guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Advisors Roundtable host or any of its affiliated radio stations. All information provided is educational in nature and is not intended to be acted upon without first consulting the appropriately licensed professional of your choosing. Before acting upon any information obtained during an Advisors Roundtable broadcast, an individual should understand matters are extremely tax-specific and require advice tailored to individual facts and needs. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Andrew Labus are registered representatives of S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Securities offered through S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Ignite Planners, LLC. Ignite Planners LLC is not affiliated with S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated.